Hey, it's Lori from Hike. If you're listening to this when the episode comes out, then you know about the most recent flooding in Kentucky. Now, my heart really goes out to the people of Eastern Kentucky, the people of Appalachia, and I want you to know that I really think if you want to give your time, your resources to help the people in need, please go research. Check out some of the nonprofit associations and the flood relief funds and do your research. Just so you know that you're giving to somewhere reputable where the money will go to do the most help. And now on to this week's episode. I get to interview author Brian Livingston, and you may know him from releasing his most recent piece of fiction called The Habits of Squirrels. But you may not know that he also dabbles in the mandolin. So we're going to talk about Appalachia, about Appalachian music, and we're even going to hear a little bit of it. And I promise that you're going to be toe-tapping and smiling along because you know what? That's what music does. It brings out the best in all of us. It brings out joy and friendship and hanging out on the porch together and shooting the breeze with your fellow friends. So let's go there. Let's take you to Brian's Appalachia. All right. So I'm here with Brian. Brian, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, where you're at right now, where, where you're from. I am Brian Livingston. I'm currently in Charleston, South Carolina. Grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Then I went to Clemson University, um, you know, then hit the highlight of through hiking the Appalachian Trail, which is sort of what brings me here today in 2013. And then um, after that, I went to law school in Virginia, uh, where I met my wife, and we sort of just ventured back down south to, to South Carolina. Well, it, it's beautiful. And so so you're from, uh, I mean, Atlanta is not quite yet, uh, I guess, maybe it's the, the foothills or almost into the foothills. There's some, some hills there, but you were very close to all the, the mountains of North Georgia. So kind Absolutely. of, you know, so you definitely grew up uh with you know southern appalachian mountains oh yeah and then I've, you know my house backed up to like a creek and sort of a uh undeveloped area so i spent a lot of time back there just sort of wandering and you know trying different stuff out ask this question of every everyone that i'm interviewing for this project uh is it appalachia or appalachia and i know i flipped between both um i think I think I say Appalachia, but then I say Appalachian Trail. So I, I think I try and have it both ways. Ah, okay. So tell me, I guess, in that sense, you know, we we connected also through your, you know, you playing music that uh, kind of fit in with, you know, I guess what you would call Appalachian music. Um, so tell me a little bit about kind of what Appalachia or Appalachia means to you. Yeah. So, um, I mean, what it means to me, um, I always think there's a, have you read the, the Barefoot Sisters book on hiking through hiking the Appalachian Trail? I no, guess I've them. heard of it. They, um, and I think it's in the first book, Southbound, Southbound. And I'm not sure how much I've romanticized this because I read it a long time ago, but they encounter an older man, uh, out there taking pictures on the trail and they have a conversation with him and he talks about how if he had realized how realized earlier how little it 
took to make him happy, um, he could have saved himself a lot of trouble. So that, um, you know, when I think of Appalachia, I, uh, you know, I think about people who have sort of, and this is romanticized, figured that out. And, you know, they, they've trimmed it down to the bare bones of what they enjoy doing it, doing who they enjoy doing it with. And then, you know, on the side of that, what they need to be able to enjoy it, what you know, the other obligations that they have to satisfy. And so hiking, I guess, when you hiked the AT, um, how did that, I guess, how did that change you? Oh, man. Um, in the, the sort of unsexy way, it just gave me an idea of how I like to, to break up my day. And, to, you know, I like to, I found out that I like to hike in the morning, that mentally I do better if I have some miles logged in the morning, as opposed to the people who uh, can show up later at night and be fine through hiking to the night. Um, so I incorporated that into my sort of work life moving forward. And then, um, I mean, it's probably the reason why I ended up uh, sort of leaving the law profession, just you know, realizing what I like to do and then being in a job that just fully negated the possibility of being able to do it. Um, you know, trying to trim it back to, you know, like, like the man said in the, the Barefoot Sisters book, just um, realize what it is that makes me happy and try and focus on that. You make it sound so simple to get from point A to point B. It's not always yeah. that simple, is it? <laughs> no, there's, uh, it's a, it's a tough path. Mm -hmm. And, and so you are an author and yes. you are, so you, so you're exploring that world and that life now, uh, right? I mean, that's kind of what, what makes you happy. Yes. Very, um, yeah, very much enjoyed, uh, writing the book and then I've sorted on some short stories that are in a similar vein. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's fun. To, it's kind of like being back out in the woods and playing around, even though you're, you know, stuck at a desk looking at a, a key keyboard and screen. So tell, tell me and the listeners a, a little bit about that process. Um, your book is called the habits of squirrels, right? Yes. And it came out pretty recently, didn't it? This in 2022? Yep, yep. I just started selling it on uh, my website and Amazon and some other places. Uh, I think uh, April. I think everything was available everywhere in April. So what's the premise of, of this story? So Are there some uh, angry squirrels in there or something? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's told from the perspective of uh, Gabe Jenkins, a recently retired mailman who um, he's from a small town and uh, I don't say it specifically, but it's you know, the Southern town and uh, he, he retires and uh, you do, depending how you read it, gets a little antsy and sets out on the, uh, the great Eastern trail, which uh, just a fictionalized Appalachian trail really. And it's about his, uh, his journeys and uh, his many encounters with squirrels, including a couple pretty angry ones. How much of you, your own hiking experience and perspective and you did you put into this a lot it definitely it definitely flavors everything um especially the people that know me that have read it have come back and said oh there there's a lot of you and everything that happens here um and then just being able to put in the sort of the day-to-day -day 
unsexy parts of hiking put it into the novel and then the the more exciting parts um i mean everything came from that 2013 through hike i thought it was interesting uh in what it seems like a lot of out a lot of what's out there today is is memoir style or um people that are writing about their through hikes but you ultimately chose a little bit of a different path to you know share you're hiking in a way, um, you know, through this, this fiction. So did you go back and forth? Did you think about doing maybe a, a memoir at all about your specific hike? Or were you always kind of like, I have a character in my head that I'd like to, you know, flesh out and, and live through him for, for a bit? Uh, it, was a, it was a long path. I definitely, when I finished my hike, um, you know, I'd done a, a blog when I was on the, on the trail. And then just so I had the ideas, okay, well, like it wouldn't be too hard to, which was probably wrong, but to turn that from um, a blog into a, a full memoir. And then um, I really just never did it. I had it, you know, had the idea of writing about my hike in my head for a long time. And then I was like, well, what if I fictionalized it? So, you know, I could play with it a little more. Um, you can emphasize stuff, um, you know, uh, not everything happen, that happens in real life or on the trail happens in you know narratively pleasing way. So you could sort of straighten it out and make it better. Um, so I, I had that idea for a while. Then I started writing about a character who is more similar to my age. Um, I got about 25,000 words into that, realized that it was just a stand-in for me, which is um, not really enjoyable, for any, not fun to write, not fun to read. So I, I, you know, essentially hit the delete key on the keyboard and started anew and sort of re-entered the universe again through uh, someone that you're about 40 years older than I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, because I've dabbled a little in writing. It's been quite a long time, but it, it's tough to uh, to have some of those kind of internal conflicts internal dialogue of like okay you know deleting something is you, you made it sound easy the delete key but i'm sure there was a little more hesitation going on oh yeah i mean <laughs> that, that, you know that, that story probably played out over five years with you know two okay. months of them being debating whether to hit that delete key um, all right yeah that's a brutal part of writing and mm -hmm. just realizing that you've just wasted you know, months of your time We've, I've got to shift gears and talk about music now and, you know, you playing the mandolin. How did you pick that up? Uh, where did that come from? And, you know, how has that become part of your life? Yeah. So um, it's sort of similar to, you know, what took me, instead of writing a memoir, um, you know, I, I was, when I decided to write fiction, you know, I sort of looked at the memoirs and I realized that I could never write something that good when I picked the mandolin um i watched a bunch of my friends who were playing guitar and realized that i was light years behind them um the mandolin would give me a uh sort of a jump start because nobody would have a uh there no nobody around me would be able to you know, play it better right off the bat which some of the guitarists turned out to be pretty good right off the bat anyway uh then um you know i knew i, I knew at the time I mean, that's sort of the unfun reason i knew at the time that you know i liked liked bluegrass and I liked a lot of the music that featured mandolin. So it seemed like a, a natural, uh, you know, second choice, I guess, or a natural place to dive in. 
There's such a heritage of uh, within Appalachia of bluegrass and, you know, banjo, mandolin, fiddle. Um, how, you know, did you grow up with it around you or kind of always, you know, maybe in the fabric of, you know, where you're, where you were, places you visited, or how did that kind of come into, come into your life? Um, so my entrance into bluegrass was really through the jam band world. I have an older sister who is very into um, jam bands. And you know, um, before he was in the Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia was in bluegrass. So you dive into Grateful Dead, you learn about that, you get into bluegrass, you find the, you know, you start listening to, to his, uh, to him playing with David Grisman and some of the others. And you start listening to those and then you come across Bill Monroe. Um, beyond that, I mean, it really wasn't a very musical family. So just, uh, you know, I was the one doing sort of the deep dive uh, and trying to learn more about all this and uh, sitting in the basement playing it alone. How, how did you feel you connected to the music? Well, it's so, the, the music's so accessible. Um, you know, the, the lyrics are usually pretty straightforward about what everybody's feeling. The basic structures um, are pretty easy. So you can, you can pick it up and play, you know, red haired boy and somebody will recognize it as red haired boy. And then you, you know, you, if you hear a professional play it, you know, it still sounds like red haired boy, but it has a lot more going on to it. So you can get into it and play poorly, but still play recognizable stuff and still enjoyable, enjoy yourself playing. So, um, I mean, I, I, I loved it and I loved just sort of sitting in the basement watching TV and, uh, picking figuring so, out new stuff. And so tell me about red haired boy. Um, what's, what's the backstory of that? Did it come over from, you know, was it from like European settlers? What, what's the, what's that story? Yep. So it, um, it's an old Gaelic tune, um, which had a name that I am not going to attempt to pronounce. But it, uh, I guess it actually had a couple different names and a couple different translations. My favorite is duck chewed tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> and they talk, um, you know, there's a, a little debate about what the source of the, the tune is, because uh, to my knowledge, it doesn't have any lyrics. But there's, um, there's a camp that says that it's a reference to a real life sort of bandit. Oh, and then there's a camp that says that it's a reference to one of the actual King James but yeah, it's a, it's an old tune. It you know came along um, when you know the Scotch and Irish settlers came into the Appalachian, and then I think really like a lot of those tunes, like it stayed more prevalent here than it did um, sort of in the in the home country um, as they moved on to other things. You know, the Appalachians really dwelled on on these tunes for you know a couple of centuries. I found that interesting in knowing like the music that you know, you were talking about jam bands and kind of what I think about in a lot of the, you know, stuff I've learned about Appalachia or, you know, the musicians coming together on the front porch or, um, or inside. And it's just like, like you said, like, you know, jamming and just all picking up something and, and going with it and going through, you know, the, whether it's the hymns that, you know, are almost, you know, there's a, there's almost a, a kind of a gospely like, feel church thing to it but then there's you know also these uh folk songs and you know from 
different lands where people came and, and music really brought people together. Yep. And it, it's so communal and it's so, um, you know, it's almost, I don't, I don't know if this is true, but, you know, designed to be played by people you know, who may not know each other, may not have played together before. They can just sit down. It's like, all right, you know, this is a standard one, four, five chord change. Um, watch my foot for the rhythm. Here we go. And, uh, you know, the, the stories that they tell are, you know, usually pretty straightforward and pretty universal and just, you know, hitting on sort of basic human, uh, human emotions, but hitting them really hard and hitting them in sort of a unique way. So you, like, when you do listen to the lyrics, you go, oh, yeah, wow. It really you know, makes you feel something. It's, it's interesting how, you, you know, you brought up about, like, some of the past well-known players, like, and also, you, you know, you brought up Bill Monroe. Um, and so, you know, different, I guess, generational things coming through. How do you feel like some of that is still relevant, even in today's world, where we have you know, just music everywhere, uh, YouTube, this and that. And how did, how do people from, you know, a hundred years ago, most, or, you know, kind of come into today's world. So Bill Monroe, um, despite some flaws was really cool. And is sort of an interesting kind of, I don't know the phrase, but like a, like a bottleneck where so many different influences came into him together from, you know, just playing music as a kid playing, um, and then um, getting out on the road and playing. And then he, you know, I think for the purposes of the podcast, founded bluegrass music in, um, in the 30s and 40s. Uh, and then, you know, so many people cite him as a reference. You know, um, Elvis Presley played his song, Blue Moon of Kentucky. Uh, Jerry Garcia, like we talked about earlier, Bob Dylan talked about him as an influence on his songwriting. That it's, I mean, those are three titans. If they're looking to build, then you know, everything that really happens now can, can be traced pretty directly back to back to him and back to sort of the Appalachian Kentucky music. And do you have, you know, favorite, I guess, tunes from that era that you, you, you know, still feel are, are something, you know, you can listen to over and over today? Yeah, um, I love... Uh, it doesn't have lyrics, but uh, Rawhide by Bill Monroe, um, mostly because I've just struggled with it on mandolin for, I guess, 15 years now. Um, oof. Uh, I've been listening. I don't know if it's really qualifies as a, a bluegrass song, but I think it carries that vibe. Uh, there's a song called Enjoy Yourself. It's sort of about, you know, enjoying yourself now and not putting it off. Um it's a it's an older tune from sort of that era yeah the messages i think uh are, are still yeah they're pretty much spot on even you know today in 2022 yeah maybe, I you mean, know in 1932 42. yep uh, i mean a lot of uh, bill monroe was um a, i guess a ladies man would be the most polite way to put it but so he has a lot of songs about uh women finally getting fed up with him and leaving him and so a lot of songs about, you know, self-induced heartbreak, I guess. It's uh, the human condition. Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. Everybody can relate to that on some level, hopefully not on you know, the level that, you know, he put people through. What other things about Appalachia do you feel have, uh, are just kind of part of, are part of who you are or, 
or like if you meet someone else, you know, say from Tennessee or Kentucky, do you, what would you identify with others? No matter, I guess, what walk of life, you know, you've lived, uh, what do you feel about Appalachia, I guess, you know, and also maybe even part of it is to like the AT, but what do you feel is that common denominator of the land? Um, there's, yeah, I mean, all aspects of life. Yeah. Um, I like to, I like to cook and I like to barbecue. So, you know, if I, if we've scratched through music and that's not a thing that, you know, we both share, I'll, I'll talk about food and barbecue. Um, and then, you know, being outdoors, the, you know, the different, you know, whatever land landscape is around them talking about that. Cause the Appalachian trail, um, you know, getting that out of the way kind of allows you to be able to relate to any landscape and talk about it and like, Oh, that's, that's similar to, you know, the balls in North Carolina or something. And then, you know, if all else fails, you know, the, um, the literature, uh, other Appalachian artist or Southern artist, really. What do you wish, um, you know, my father's, you know, from Appalachia, but you know, me as a, a Northerner, what do you, what kind of things do you wish that people who, you know, aren't living there, um, didn't live there. What do you want them to know? Um, <laughs> uh, well, it's not Appalachia or Appalachia is not as it is portrayed maybe in Gatlinburg. No, thank offense, uh, no offense to Gatlinburg, but I think that is where a lot of people from not this part of the country will come down and sort of see it. And then, uh, you know, there's more going on to it than that. And then really just tying back to um, that, I don't even think it's a name character in the, the Barefoot Sisters book, just you, you can you can strip it down and still exist. Um, you know, I, I had this going just a few months ago, just feeling really busy and sort of overwhelmed and anxious all the time, not doing really anything in a day that I enjoyed. Um, you know, you at some point you do have to do the things that you enjoy. And I think that's, you know, part of um, Appalachia as I see it, you know, it's like getting the work done and then going and playing on the, on the porch or you're getting the work done for the week and going to the, the square dance or whatever your jamboree or hootenanny on the, on Saturday night. Because I mean, that is a big element of, of Appalachia. It's working hard, laboring. Um, but I like how you say also still enjoying yourself, whether, you know, outside music, uh, at the, at the, you know, the downtown, uh, main street bar uh, that yeah. people would gather at to to whether they're dancing and you know drinking all of the, all of those kinds of things yeah of course yeah the vfw or the the high school gym wherever you can do it you got to do it being in charleston what are some things about i guess your local area that uh why did you pick there what about it uh gives you that that fun that uh feeling oh man uh good pitch for charleston coming up uh charleston checked pretty uh, outside of not having mountains charleston checked pretty much all my boxes uh, it has a really good music scene it has world-class food uh, you can get you know you can't go really like mountain hiking but there are hikes to do there's um i've spent some time going around the old plan, um rice plantations 
um, that they sort of let flood in and get inundated with wildlife. And it's really fun. And then you kayaking, fishing, uh, whatever, whatever you really like to do. It's, it's right here and it's being sort of thrown at you down here, which is nice. So you don't have to go out of your way to get it. Mm -hmm. And what are you working on next? Um, I got a, I've probably got two different potential novels that I've started and just sort of seeing whether one actually really piques my interest because you have to spend a lot of time with a novel. So, <laughs> yeah. so there's a lot of times you get tired of them, but then they never sort of show up again. So um, I'm poking around on those and I'm you know, hoping you know, one catches fire and sort of makes it all the way. Any trail time this summer? I'm working on it. I'm actually going up your way for a wedding in July on uh, Mackinac Island. Yes, it is. So I'm um, going to try and, since I've never been up there before, turn that into a week, week-long trip and sort of poke around and see what we can get into. Well, I can definitely send you guys some tips, places yeah, to go. Really appreciate that. Um. Well, I'm going to have you take us out with some music. You're going to be playing Red Haired Boy. Yep. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on, talking about Appalachia, talking about music, about life, all all of the things that make up, you know, Appalachia or Appalachia, however you want to call it, <laughs> but make it up for you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you. And uh, let me talk about my book and talk about the music I love. And how can people find you? They can find me. Um, I am on Instagram, Brian Livingston Books. I'm on Facebook, author Brian Livingston. And then uh, my website, brianlivingstonbooks.com. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Brian, for sharing your Appalachia with hike listeners. Now, for all of you, please make sure to go check out Brian's Instagram and his social media. Links are all in the show notes. And coming up, Brian's got some events and signings and appearances, so check the show notes. But in October, he's going to be in Virginia and also in Kentucky. So details in the show notes. Go check it out. Go buy the book and go learn more about what Brian's up to. And links to connect with Hike and with me, well, they're in the show notes as well. But you can always email me, hikepodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on my social media accounts at the hike podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So until next time, see you on the trail. <laughs>